Assalamualaikum brothers and sisters, it's Sister B and welcome to Islamic Audio Bites. Just a quick reminder, if you would like me to read your Islamic poetry or writings on an episode, then please email them to me directly at sisterb 7 at gmail.com. So carrying on with the episode, I will be reading The Journey of the Soul by Sheikh Suhaib Hassan, which can be accessed at missionislam.com. And due to the length of the article, we'll be splitting it into three parts. Let's read. The Journey of the Soul Throughout history, all aspects of the unseen have fascinated man. He has especially attempted to explore and understand the phenomena of the soul, that mysterious power which activates the human body. Many questions were asked, but only a few answers were available. During the lifetime of the Prophet, peace be upon him, the Jews of Medina sent their allies, the Makkan infidels, to the Prophet, peace be upon him, to ask about the soul. In reply to their questions, the following Quranic verse was revealed. They ask you, O Muhammad, peace be upon him, concerning the ruh, soul. Say, it is one of the things, the knowledge of which is only with my Lord, and of knowledge you, mankind, have been given very little. Quran al-Isra 17 verse 85 Because so little knowledge was available, most Muslim scholars considered any discussion concerning the soul to be taboo. And so this avenue of knowledge remained almost closed within scholastic circles. The most famous of the few work written on this subject was entitled Kitab al-Ruh by Ibn al-Qayyim. Contrary to his normal approach of scholarly research, guided by the Qur'an and authentic sunnah, in this book he relied heavily on weak and spurious reports attributed falsely to the Prophet, peace be upon him, by transmitters such as Ibn Abi al-Dunya and Abu Nuaym. Later scholars argued that Ibn al-Qayyim was too great a scholar to have written a book so largely based on fabricated narrations, and so concluded that he could not have been the author. Others argued that he must have written it before he met the great author and teacher, Sheikh Ibn Taymiyyah, who had a profound effect on him and shaped his later works, which were always based on the Book of Allah and the authentic Sunnah. In my short and humble contribution to the subject of the soul, I have endeavoured to rely on authentic sources alone. Due to the nature of this topic, I seek Allah's forgiveness for any deviation from the truth on my part and I pray to the Almighty to accept this meagre effort. And may Allah shower his blessings upon our Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, and his progeny. Suhaib Hassan, Safar, 1416 AH Four Worlds They ask you, O Muhammad, peace be upon him, concerning the ruh, soul, say, it is one of the things, the knowledge of which is only with my Lord, and of knowledge you, mankind, have been given very little. Quran al-Isra 17 verse 85 The soul is a creature of Allah. It is blown into every human being when it is just a fetus 
of 120 days old. It remains in contact, if not inside the human being, throughout its life on Earth. And at the point of death, it departs from the body to reside in the heavens. Like everything else in the universe, it is a creation of Allah. But as the above Quranic verse informs us, mankind has been given only limited knowledge concerning it. When a body is given a soul, life begins. And when the soul leaves the body, life ends and death begins. During their journeys through this universe, the soul and its body travel through four different worlds. One, the womb, where the soul joins its body. Two, this world, where we all live for a limited period only. Three, the grave, a barzakh period. Four, the hereafter, the final destination of all human beings. Each world is greater than the last, and the final world of the hereafter is eternal and the most important. It is difficult for us as human beings living amidst the hubbub of worldly life to comprehend the sheer futility of this world and the permanence of the hereafter. Thousands of dead are buried around us every day, but we find it impossible to envisage the new stage of the journey upon which they have embarked. To the living, the grave is simply an empty and dark hole in the ground. To the dead, it is their window into either paradise or the fire. And it is precisely because they cannot comprehend the next life that the majority of human beings refuse to believe in and obey Allah. In this situation, we are like the fetus in the womb of its mother. Consider the unborn child whose only home for nine months is a dark and cramped place where it receives nourishment, warmth and space to grow. Suppose we could speak to the unborn child. What would we say when describing the world, waiting for it outside? We would talk to it about the clouds, the mountains, the trees and the oceans. We could talk of a spectrum of colours, smells, tastes and textures. We would mention the thunder of trains, the roaring of planes, the speed of cars. We would describe flowers, birds and animals. A world of lush gardens, cascading rivers, valleys and plains. An enormous world of huge deserts, massive oceans and vast landscapes. A bustling world filled with noise, movement and numerous nationalities of people speaking a variety of languages. Would the little infant, curled up in its mother's womb, understand the message? Indeed not. The womb is the only place he knows, and to imagine the outside world would be beyond his comprehension. In the same way, our life in this world is temporary, and like it or not, we will have to leave it to enter the world beyond the grave. Just because we cannot envisage or see the world of the barzakh does not mean that it does not exist. What is the soul? The Qur'an and Sunnah give us only limited knowledge concerning the soul. From it, we can say that the Arabic words ruh and nafs are both used, sometimes interchangeably 
for the soul. Imam Ibn al-Qayyim wrote in his scholarly work, Kitab al-Ruh, Ruh is an entity which differs totally from the physical body. It is a subtle, ecclesiastical, enlightened, living and moving body which penetrates into the depths of the organs and flows into them like the water in the rose or the oil in the olive or the fire in the coal. As long as these organs remain able to accept the impressions of this subtle body, the rule remains attached to these organs and provides them with feeling and movement. But when these organs are spoiled because of the dominance of diseased elements upon it, and they are no longer able to accept the impressions of the soul, it leaves the body and heads towards the world of the souls. There is some difference in the way the words ru and nafs are used. The ru is the subtle spirit which resides in the heavens and needs a physical body to carry it on the earth. When this spirit is given a body, life begins and it is described as nafs. The word nafs is used in a number of ways by the Quran, all of which imply the meaning of a soul with a body. 1. Nafs, meaning self. You know what is in myself, but I do not know what is in yourself. Quran 5 verse 116. 2. Nafs, meaning blood. The insect which has flowing nafs, blood. 3. Nafs as a strong force in man, which can push him either towards good or evil. The concept of nafs al-amara bisu, nafs which encourages evil, and nafs al-lawama, nafs which blames, and nafs al-mutmaina, nafs which is contented, are discussed in the next chapter. Two deaths and two lives. The Quran mentions two deaths and two lives given to us by Allah. How can you reject faith in Allah, seeing that you are dead and he gave you life? Then he will cause you to die. Then he will bring you to life. Then to him will be your return. Quran al-Baqarah 2 verse 28 They will say, Our Lord, twice have you given us death, and twice have you given us life. Quran al-Mu'min 11 When the soul is first created, it has no physical body and is considered to be a dead creature. In this state, it is referred to as Ruh, and this is the first death, as even death is created by Allah. He is the one who created death and life in order that he may try which of you is best in deeds, and he is the exalted, the forgiving. Quran al-Mulk 67 verse 2 The Quran also tells us that all the souls of mankind were created before the creation of Adam, peace be upon him, and were asked to testify to the lordship of Allah. When your Lord drew forth from the loins of the children of Adam their descendants and made them testify concerning themselves, Am I not your Lord? They said, Yes, we do testify. This, lest you should say on the day of judgment, we were not aware of this. Quran al-Araf 272 The first life 
begins when the soul is breathed into an embryo in the womb of its mother, and now the soul is referred to as nafs. The word nafs is also used for blood, and so women who are in the state of postnatal bleeding are known as nufasa. As long as blood surges healthily through the body, there will be life in that body. Abdullah ibn Masood reported that the Messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, said, Indeed, the creation of each one of you is brought together in his mother's belly for forty days in the form of a seed. Then he is a clot of blood for a similar period. Then a morsel of flesh for a similar period. An angel is then sent to him who blows the breath of life into him. Say al-Bukhari and Muslim. Scholars of Islam have concluded from this hadith that because the angel of life blows the soul into the fetus when it is 120 days old, abortion on very strict medical grounds is permissible only before the fetus is four months old. Once life has been blown into the fetus, it becomes a living creature and to terminate its life is murder. The second death occurs when the soul leaves the body at the end of his appointed time on earth. Every nafs soul shall taste death. Quran al-Imran 3 verse 185 The nafs dies and is buried, while its soul soars up to the heavens. That is why the Prophet, peace be upon him, taught us, At death, the eyes follow the departing soul, so close the eyes. The second life will be the eternal life, beginning on the day of judgment, when the bodies will be resurrected and their souls will be blown into them once again. The different states of each nafs. 1. Nafs al-Mutamayina, the satisfied soul. O you, satisfied soul, return to your Lord, pleased with yourself and pleasing to him. Enter among my servants and enter my paradise. Quran al-Fajr 89 verse 27230. Nafs al-Amara bisu, the soul that dictates evil. And I do not free myself from blame. Indeed, the human self is inclined to evil, except when my Lord bestows his mercy upon whom he wills. Indeed, my Lord is forgiving, merciful. Quran Yusuf 53 Nafs al-Lawama, the self-reproaching soul. I do call to witness the resurrection day, and I do call to witness the self-reproaching soul. Quran al-Qayyama 1-2 The noblest of the souls is the satisfied soul, which at its last moments on earth will receive the glad news from its Lord of Enter among my servants and enter into my paradise. In contrast is the soul which inspires evil and disobedience. And between these two extreme states is the self-reproaching soul, which checks its actions and blames itself when it commits evil. Most souls hover between these two different states, depending on the person's faith and actions. 1. Nafs Mutmaina. The Quran explains how one can achieve the noble state of the satisfied soul. 
Indeed, in the remembrance of Allah do hearts find satisfaction. Quran al Ra'at 12, verse 28. The Quran is the voice of Al Rahman, just as music is the voice of Satan. If the evil inspiring soul finds solace in music, dance, and its paraphernalia, the satisfied soul finds its peace and consolation in the Quran, prayer, and the company of the righteous. The satisfied soul has such a deep conviction in Allah and the last day that never is it upset by the sorrows or demands of this world. During his return from a jihad expedition, the Prophet, peace be upon him, once sat down to rest under the shade of a tree, far from his devout companions. A makgun called Jorat bin al-Harith saw his golden chance and came forward with his sword drawn. O Muhammad, who is going to save you from me now? Calm and unfearing, the Prophet, peace be upon him, stood tall and replied simply, Allah. The man was surprised into confusion by this simple answer and unconsciously dropped his sword. The Prophet, peace be upon him, immediately picked up the sword and asked, Tell me, who will save you now? The man quietly answered, There is no God worthy of worship but Allah. Illness, financial worries, loss of property or death of dear ones does not cause the satisfied soul to wail, curse or lament. Whenever it faces any problems, it simply says, To Allah we belong and to him we shall return and faces the misfortune with patience and trust in its Lord. Such are the souls described in the Qur'an. Be sure we shall test you with something of fear, hunger, some loss of goods or lives or fruits of your toils. But give glad tidings to those who are patient, those who say, when afflicted by calamity, to Allah we belong and to him we shall return. Quran al-Baqarah 2.155-156 The satisfied soul believes that all happiness and sorrow is by the decree of Allah. It therefore feels no need to lament at misfortunes or to boast at success. No misfortune can happen on earth or to your soul, but it is written in a decree before we bring it into existence. That is truly easy for Allah, in order that you may not despair over matters that pass you by, nor exult in favours bestowed upon you. For Allah loves not the vain boasters. Quran al-Hadid 57.22-23 No worldly anxieties upset the satisfied soul. If it fails to acquire something for which it has struggled for many years, it will accept its destiny and remember the following words of the Prophet of Allah, peace be upon him. What has reached you was never meant to escape you, and what has escaped you was never meant to reach you. Muwadi by Al-Khatib al-Baghdadi The satisfied soul seeks its nourishment in dhikr, the remembrance of Allah, prayer, fasting, zakah and hajj. It relies heavily for support on the branches of faith, 
the highest of which is to say and believe in. There is no God worthy of worship except Allah, and Muhammad is the messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, and the lowliest of which is to remove an obstacle from the path. Angels are present to strengthen this soul and to bless and greet it when it departs this material life, when it is resurrected and when it is admitted into the gardens of paradise. Their greeting to it is the greeting of a Muslim to his fellow Muslim. Peace be unto you. And those who feared their Lord will be led to paradise in crowds until they arrive there. Its gates are opened and its keepers will say, Peace be upon you, well have you done. Enter here and dwell forever. Quran Az-Zamar 39 verse 73 that is it for part one of the journey of the soul from Mission Islam. Please do remember to leave a five-star rating at Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen. And also remember to share the podcast with your family and friends. We're on all the major podcasting platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and we're also on YouTube as a voice-only channel. Please do check out our website at islamicaudiobytes.com. And if you would like to contact us directly, please do so at islamicaudiobytes at gmail.com. As always, hope your day is full of goodness. Assalamu alaikum.